This episode of Every Edition is sponsored by Dragon's Horn Studios. Check out their Kickstarter for Ruhalt's Grimoire of Dungeon Adventures, running through November 2022, which will deliver five fully realized and ready-to-play dungeons for 5th and 3rd editions of the world's most popular role-playing game. Available digitally, in print, or as premium modules for Foundry Virtual Tabletop, Roll20, and Shard Tabletop. Go to dragonshorn.com to check out all their virtual tabletop and digital adventures. Welcome to Every Edition, the tabletop role-playing game talk show that's not limited to just one game, rule set, or style of play. We cover the latest incarnation of the world's most popular role-playing game, the old-school renaissance, and everything in between and adjacent. While we don't agree on everything, we do agree that rolling dice and assuming the roles of characters in a fictional setting is the greatest hobby in the world. Hello and welcome to Every Edition. My name's Jesse. I'm John. Today, we are going to talk about some Spelljammer supplementary things in our Loot the Body segment. You bet we are. It certainly needs help. Yeah, we <laughs> a couple episodes ago, we had talked about Spelljammer and featured it. And uh, this, uh, this is a, a good sign for things to come. I think. Yeah. And our random encounter today, we're going to be talking about AI art. And its implications <laughs> for tabletop role-playing games. Don't want it. Not going to buy it. Yeah, well, and we waited until everybody calmed down yeah, so yeah, that we could have a, have a reasonable discussion about mm-hmm. it. So, uh, so off we go. And, of course, our morale check where we talk about news of the week and news of things going on in the RPG world. But first, John, what's new? Well, so I am uh, signed up for not one, but two conventions coming up. <laughs> okay. So I know I've been, been talking a little bit on the show about PAX Unplugged yes. coming up in December. Super excited. Looking forward to that. Um, and uh, But I also found out that there's actually a local convention mm. that's moving to uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and it's called MIPAcon. MIPA. The uh, Mid-Eastern Pennsylvania Convention. That's so specific. MIPA. That's right. Yeah. So looking forward to it. It's going to be the first year that it's going to be held in, in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Mm. And uh, it's going to be my first time going. That's coming up in November, so this month. Um, and so I'll report back. Um, I'm signed up for a bunch of Castles and Crusades games okay. and a, a bunch of um, Dungeon Crawl Classics games. Of course. So great opportunity to play two games that I love and don't get a chance to play as much as I'd like. Yeah, I, I think I'd really want to try Castles and Crusades because I've yet to try that. And the system really seems really fun. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the jam. <laughs> yeah. So, Jesse, what's new? Well, uh, this last month, October, all throughout the uh, the month and every year during October on my stream, we focus on like specifically horror-related games and things like that. Cool. Sometimes we'll create some or do some like creative writing. Mm-hmm. Um in previous years, we've created our own like lore and stuff because I like world building. Yeah. This year, I decided to start a project uh, that I'm not going to talk about here. Mm-hmm. It is exclusive to my stream, uh, but it is a horror world building exercise, really, where myself and the community sort of get together and and uh, create this like mini world um, that's all horror and sort of nostalgic horror too. So like think like slasher horror. Things like that. It's been super fun. We were doing it a couple times a week, uh, all throughout the month, and uh, it was really a good sort of break from my normal world building because sure. my normal world building is very much like 
fantasy and you know sometimes i pepper in a little bit of like cthulhu-esque horror Mm -hmm. but not nearly as much as i would prefer because i know some people really don't like that so it's like very high fantasy so this was a fun sort of get rid of the elves and talk about what kind of killers you can make and how th- you can make things scary. And cool. This is really fun. So where can people find your world building? So on World Anvil, I've talked about it a million times on the podcast before, um, you can search uh, for the world Illyria. Um, I could potentially leave a link down in the comments. Uh, there you go. For anybody willing to look there. Uh, so that'll have uh, links to all the things that I've created that are public for the fantasy world. Mm-hmm. The horror stuff is not public. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, even if you don't want to like read anything about my world, there's tons and tons of worlds and lore and things like that for, for D&D or for other settings uh, or created settings uh, on the World Anvil website that you mm-hmm. can just sort of randomly click through. Um, so yeah, you can you can follow the, my link or just go to worldanvil.com. Great. All right, it's time for a morale check. Our morale checks are where we take a look at RPG news and things going on in our industry of the time. And as a reoccurring theme or a happenstance <laughs> that's that's going on in our episodes, we talk about Free League a lot. Yeah. Uh, Free League has uh, just announced that they'll be publishing Pirate Borg, oh. which funded back in March. And we talked about it, I think, during the actual Kickstarter or very close yep. to it. Yep. Uh, in partnership with Luke Stratton, who is also known as Lemithron on Kickstarter. It was making the convention circuit this past summer. Mm-hmm. Um, this sort of elevates um, Pirate Borg amongst the Mork Borg uh, community. Yeah. So, like, Mork Borg, I think, has really, at least in the convention space, really become like a sort of cult hit. Mm-hmm. And there's there's all sorts of um, third-party uh, Morkborg-related content. Yep. And Pirate Borg took off like wildfire. Yep. Yeah, huge Kickstarter. Um, it was... Uh, Pirate Borg was running at Origins. I'm sure it was running at Gen Con. Yeah. Um, and uh, you're right. Morkborg seems to be a hit. It's uh, it's going to be... There are going to be some games at PAX Unplugged. Mm. I'm hoping to, to get signed up for at least one. Um, but yeah, this, I mean, you said it, this elevates it to the level of like an official Morkborg product because yeah. it's being released by Free League. Yeah, it's, it's official. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> That's pretty great. In other news, our friends at Dragon's Horn Studios are at it again. They have a new Kickstarter for Rue Halt's Grimoire of Dungeon Adventures running through November 2022, uh, featuring five fully developed uh, dungeons for multiple levels of play with new monsters and magic items and spells. Uh, Dragon's Horn Studios is uh, sponsoring this episode, and this is the second time they've been a sponsor, so thank thank, you very much. Uh, They're a small family-owned game company from Poland, and they release really high-quality PDF and virtual tabletop releases for 5th edition and Mm 3.5. So definitely worth checking out this Ruhalt's uh, Grimoire of Dungeon Adventures. Like I said, it's going to have five dungeons uh, with traps and riddles and treasure. Hand-drawn maps. That's what I like. Yeah. The hand-drawn stuff. Maps. I'm all for it. That and the magic items. Right. I am a sucker for magic items. There you go. And I think most of the time, in some modules or like third-party stuff, you get like a description of a magic item, but you don't get a picture of it. Yeah. So I can I can say whatever I want to my players, but being able to show it to them yep. and it's be a- like, this is what your character has, that holds a little bit more weight, and I like that. 
Big deal. So new monsters, uh, in addition to uh, those new magic items and all that good stuff. The uh, the Grimoire, this is going to be their second physical release. Mm. Uh, but it's also going to be available as a interactive PDF and as a premium module for virtual tabletops. Yes. Um, so three different ways that you can experience this. Head on over to Kickstarter and let's help fund it. Oh, yeah. So from Mongoose Publishing, we've got Paranoia Perfect Edition. Ooh. I played Paranoia, I don't know the last time I played, like 10 years ago. Really? Before the most recent yeah. edition of the game. Okay. So the last edition was Paranoia, Paranoia Red Clearance Edition. Right. That came out in 2017. Mm-hmm. But it used a lot of like cards and card packs that you had, like supplementary things yeah. to the main game if you wanted to play the game, which I think made the game uh, less approachable. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't, if you're playing a board game or, or a game similar to that, and you have to buy supplementary things just to play the game or feel like you're you're playing with everybody else on the same level, it doesn't feel good. Yeah, it's a barrier. So uh, this new re-release is basically axing all of that stuff and just sort of makes it easier to jump in with. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like uh, uh, you know the type of game that's more competitive than it is uh, cooperative. Right. Um, everybody has their own sort of secret agenda in this game, which might be working with the bad guy a little bit to, to sort of you know mess with your partner or you know make sure that you're the only one on top by the end of the game right it's uh, sort of doggy dog but you're you're trying to do it secretly and yeah I think I think those kind of games are, are particularly fun yeah good for uh, good for a one shot I don't know that, it, that paranoia makes for a good ongoing campaign I'd no, love I'd love to hear people uh, say say otherwise yeah yeah I'm curious um, but yeah the, uh, the the basic premise with Paranoia, it's like a tongue-in-cheek dystopian future where everything is run by a master computer mm. and you are uh, what's known as a troubleshooter, right? And so your job is to find <laughs> trouble and shoot it. And shoot it. Right, which is just brilliant. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, fantastic. But often, oftentimes it's about sort of like, you know, you have a secret agenda to like take out somebody at the table. Yeah. But, but, but make it look like somebody else did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, so you, know, you don't get caught or whatever. Yeah. I, I like that oh. kind of intrigue. Yeah. But it, it would be difficult to make that span over the course of like a campaign or mm-hmm. a couple sessions. So I'm curious to know if there's anybody who has played Paranoia to that mm-hmm. extent. The game's been out since like the late 80s. Right. So I'm sure there are tables that have done that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just not experienced that. Yeah, me neither. And finally, similar to a new edition of Paranoia coming out, there's a new edition of Kids on Bikes mm. coming out. Uh, it's currently on Kickstarter. Uh, a second edition. There's a cute little infomercial style it's so video. Good. So good. Um, <laughs> and uh, players who are already familiar with the original edition, uh, it says that you're going to be able to get an inexpensive PDF in order to update your game. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> Literally, that's what. But that's what it says. I don't know if that's a dollar, two dollars, or yeah, yeah. I don't know. But the, there will be a way to upgrade your game without having to buy a new book. Um, but the new stuff in the book includes a set of expanded storytelling tools for game masters, uh, more rules around uh, powered characters, like mm-hmm. Eleven. Um, not that this is anything like Stranger Things. And integrated into the core rule book, uh, the actual use of bikes. <laughs> Which, if you're going to name your game Kids on Bikes, you, gotta have bikes. <laughs> you might want to have a mechanic for bikes. Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, but so the first edition of the game was originally kickstarted back in 2017, around the same time that the that the last edition of Paranoia came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I've got a question for you, gentle listeners, noble listeners. 
Um, when is the right amount of time before a new edition comes out? Um, Every year. Yeah. I, <laughs> uh, let us know in the let us know in the comments what you think. Is is both these games? It's five years. Yeah. And there's now a new edition uh, coming out. Now, we are every edition, and so we embrace all editions oh, yeah. of all games. But that doesn't mean that we're stupid. And we, <laughs> and it doesn't mean that we don't recognize a cash grab. Yes. Um, and so what do you think, especially about these two particular games that in, uh, in a five-year span of time are both coming out with new editions? Uh, are these needed? Are these two different animals in terms of, uh, of games? What do you think? Let us know in the comments uh, or get in touch with us, everyeditionrpg at gmail.com. You can also find links to all of our socials at everyeditionrpg.com. We've got links to Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcast, all that good stuff. Um, So interact with us. We've got YouTube shorts coming out just about every day, so you can get a bite-sized dose of every edition. Uh, Don't forget to like those. And, uh, you know, if you want to play them two or three times, they're short. (laughs) They're short. Yeah, why not? Why not? Right? Uh, We really appreciate your support and uh, reach out. Okay, it's time for a random encounter. On today's random encounter, we are talking about artificial intelligence art in the tabletop role-playing space. Is that even a thing? Uh, apparently. <laughs> uh, a lot of people online, like a month ago, got really, really annoyed by it. Yeah. So we want to, we, we sort of let the dust settle. Yes. We gathered our thoughts, and we compiled a bit of a list of talking points that we want to talk about, and sort of look at it um, objectively, mm-hmm. and then, uh, you know, sort of go through, like, the problems with AI art. Right. What sort of problems arise because of it. Uh, the potential of the art itself, and then our personal and sort of final thoughts going into this. I will fully admit I'm a coward. Like when it comes to <laughs> like controversial topics, <laughs> I am actually much more comfortable waiting for the dust to settle and then trying to have a rational conversation about it. Yeah. So, so I am the opposite. <laughs> I know you are. <laughs> I, uh, when, when everything was happening online, so uh, there was a, um, it was called the Kauai... Steam NATO, which is a PDF, yeah, 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 on um, Drive Through or uh, DMs Guild or one of those. Yep, that was the initial sort of spark. The steampunk weapons and armor. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, uh, as a cover image, to use an AI art, and the I think they were charging like five bucks or something for the the module. When that happened and came out, and I was reading through everybody's comments, um, I could I could quite literally feel my blood boiling. Right, <laughs> but. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, We're going to talk about that in time and our personal thoughts in a minute. Yes. Until then, what is AI art? I don't know. So, AI art, uh, (laughs) or art using an artificial intelligence, is not a new thing. Mm -hmm. It's actually been around for quite a bit. AI has been slowly developing as, you know, computers have become more and more powerful. Mm -hmm. And it was sort of a, you know, a matter of time before it reached the art space. It's essentially a program that is trained or it learns mm-hmm. um, what art is and what we consider art. So it looks at um, words or vocabulary. It looks at uh, images associated with those. And 
it uh, it essentially almost like a person. I'm sort of boiling it down a little bit. Sure. Almost like a person. It learns what art is. Um, so most of these programs, uh, some of them are free, some of them are paid. You can uh, uh, just type in like a simple sentence, like uh, a monkey holding a banana, and it'll spit out a couple images of what the AI believes a monkey holding a banana would look like. And mm-hmm. you can tweak it to uh, your heart's desire. You can add in some styles or some sizing or whatnot. Um, you can make it look sort of hyper-realistic or whatever. There's infinite possibilities with this, um, but that's sort of what AI art is in a nutshell. So it's taking uh, well, it's taking like a sampling, right, of different images and sort of it's creating something new. Correct. But based on what it it's what it samples from the internet, right? Uh, sorta. So like, it's not a collage. A lot of people mis- misinterpret it as mm-hmm. a collage. Like it thinks that, oh, we're taking the smile or whatever smirk from Mona Lisa and putting it on this right. directly. It's not that. Okay. It the same way your brain when you think, oh, this is what a horse looks like, and you go to draw a horse, you reference whatever in your brain mm-hmm. says is a horse before you draw it, um, it's doing that. Except it's a like a computer, so it can do that infinitely better than you could. It's sam- yeah, the sample size is, is the whole internet. It is hu- huge. Right. Yeah, most yeah. most are huge. They're trained on, you know, large, large batches of art. Okay. But it is creating something new. Correct. Right? I guess that's the first sort of point of clarification to get out there. It's not... Uh, copying mm-hmm. right uh, so there are instances that have come up of people so most of these AI art generators mm-hmm. you can upload an image to it and say I want you to you know artificially add to this image and change it up a little bit so some okay. people have taken art that other artists have done and warped it mm-hmm. with AI art directly and that's where you start getting into the really muddy copyright sort of uh, arguments. Okay. Um, but if you just type in a sentence and it spits out an image, that is brand new, never seen before, never seen again. All right. Well, so let's get into um, what the problems are. Why people a month ago, and maybe still, hmm. uh, were afraid of AI art or angry with AI art. Why there was so much emotion sure around it and it seemed to be i mean honestly so much negative uh yes a lot of negative emotion a lot of a lot of negativity (laughs) so what's the problem so people really don't like change Mm -hmm. and it really sort of comes around when a new tool uh, especially for artists uh when a new tool is introduced the world sorts like their their world starts to like fall apart Mm -hmm. so if you think about when uh, maybe like Photoshop or uh, digital drawing was first sort of becoming a thing or digital tablets and things mm-hmm. like that. A lot of traditional artists were kind of like, you know, oh, I'm going to lose my job because the animation is so much easier. Right. Drawing is so much easier and quicker. You don't have to worry about buying, you know, products and things like that. Every time there's a major shift in any part of human nature, people are going to like resist it because it's not their norm. It's not what they're used to. Um, But with AI specifically, you kind of mentioned it. um, There's like a sort of fear of 
being obsolete. And I think um, sort of, you know, as we get further into the 21st century, we're starting to realize the power of artificial intelligence mm-hmm. and the power of computing and what that might mean for uh, people with their jobs and things like that. So I think there's a little bit of fear in there, too. Like artists are maybe afraid that they're going to be fully replaced by AI art. Yeah. Yeah, it seemed like it, uh, the most angry or or fearful voices out there, for them, this was a kitchen table issue. Mm. Like this was, a, oh, my gosh, uh, how am I going to continue to make a living? Yeah. Right? The way I'm, I, I am an artist and this is going to replace me. Mm. Um, and so some of that some of that fear about the pocketbook. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also not, um, you know, it's not uh, an accident that there was all this fear at a time where the economy is not doing so great. Exactly. Right. And so everybody's already sort of on edge and, you know, and paying a little bit more attention maybe to their bank accounts than they were, they had been. (laughs) And, uh, and so this comes along and it's like, well, great. So not only one more thing, one more thing, right. Not only is the economy in the toilet, but, so, you know, now I'm going to lose my job right? as an artist, <laughs> as a starving artist. Right. Um, so that that's real. Right. Mm. That's a that's a that's a problem. And that's not, just you know, expanding the conversation a little bit. If you think about artificial intelligence, um, that is sort of the, the concern um, for lots of different occupations. Yes. Right. That it's going to accelerate already sort of the way in which robots and machines have been replacing uh, human labor. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking specifically about, uh, you know, like uh, artificial intelligence for driving vehicles, yeah. dri- driving yeah, yeah. cars and trucks and things like that. Is it going to replace truck drivers? Is it going to replace, uh, you know, uh, well, cab drivers have already been replaced yeah. by yeah, Uber yeah, drivers, <laughs> but is it going to replace, is it going to replace Uber, Uber drivers, yeah. right? Um, or Lyft drivers or whatever. Uh, and so this just brings it into the art space. Mm-hmm. Right. In the same way that I think other people have already been concerned about artificial intelligence and its its implications. So is this going to decimate, you know, lower paying gig work? No. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, the issue with the PDF uh, from specifically uh, uh, DMs Guild or Drive Through, whichever one it Mm -hmm. was uh, in the tabletop space, there was a lot of. People talking like, okay, well, you could have paid an artist to do that cover for you. Why did you do that? Right. And the person who created this module put it up for, you know, a small amount. Uh-huh. It was like 2 or $5 or something. Maybe they didn't have the budget to make the art themselves or pay somebody to do it for them. Any chance I get if I have uh, enough free spending money i love commissioning artists for art that i can't personally do mm-hmm. um but sometimes you just don't have it and this person if they didn't have the money to pay somebody to do the art for them they weren't going to pay an artist anyway right they they didn't have it in their budget when they started the project to pay an artist so they just used this tool mm-hmm. to Put a put an image on the cover because you know if you sell a module, a module that has an image is going to look a lot better and sell a lot better than one that doesn't. Yeah, and so intention matters, right? Yeah. Whether or not you know if you're a if you're a uh, if you're a creator on a, on a very small level, um, and you basically your intention is 
I don't have a budget for art. Hmm. Um, that's not something I'm gonna. That's not something I'm gonna include. And you would otherwise release your PDF without a cover. Yeah. Right. Um, that person now can create a cover image on their own. Yep. Very quickly. Very quickly. Um, so yeah, I mean, your your point is that then is not a loss of gig work because that person was never going to spend money on a cover image. Correct. Uh, in the first place. But so back to intention, right? The problem is if you are a game company or a corporation who does have an art budget and in order to begin to save, right, or to cut costs, you, you know, switch to using AI you art. You can all the artists and just... Right. That, that is a problem. Yeah. And will likely, once AI art and sort of 3D generation and things like that become mm -hmm. better than they are now, which is like an exponential growth type of thing. Right. Um, that will likely be an issue. Mm -hmm. Is it currently an issue? Not really. Mm -hmm. um, there's been a couple of, uh, like there was a comic book cover for Image Comics where they, the artist used um, uh, AI art in their, in their cover, but that's all commission-based. Right. Um, they submitted that as their commission. Mm -hmm. It's... I've yet to see any big, at least in the tabletop or the like video game industry, any big sort of like waves of, okay, AI art's here, goodbye artists. Uh, I don't think that's anything that we have to worry about now, mm -hmm. but it it may be a thing in the future. Right. So that and that seems like the the far you know maybe not that far yeah, off, but that being sort of the primary, what seems like legitimate problem or concern. So it's not you know. It's not coming after the small, the the small time, uh, yeah, Fiverr or Etsy or whatever. Yeah, right. Um, or you know, the person who's making their first PDF adventure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Like, that, this is this is this is potentially a a, a good thing for that person, mm -hmm. right? Um, but for artists who are on the on the payroll of a corporation, um, yeah, I'd be a little bit more. I don't know. I guess I'd be a little bit more nervous. Yeah, it's understandable to be nervous in yeah. that situation. So we're, we're already sort of uh, swirling around it here, but let's move on to, to talking about the potential mm. of AI art when it comes to tabletop role-playing games and um, why there, there is also some enthusiasm for sure. it, why, there's, why there are people who are excited about it. I saw plenty of people on, uh, on Twitter and social media that were saying, I am never going to spend money on a product that uses artificial intelligence. And I also saw plenty of people saying, wow, I can't wait to try this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Um, and so there we are. There was definitely people that were, you know, making it a uh, almost like a, a moral stance. Hmm. Um, and some people who were, were more excited by it and, and so, saw the potential. So let's talk a little bit about that side of the sure. equation. So I think it's, uh, I, I just want to preface this with, uh, a tweet that I had made uh, on my personal account uh, was featured on the Philip DeFranco show. Oh. He was talking about AI art when this was occurring mm -hmm. uh, in, in a positive light, I was saying in a positive light. So I, mm -hmm. think, I think my stance is very much on the hopeful mm -hmm. potential side. Mm -hmm. I, my, my biggest uh, point is this sort of accessibility of it. Right. So you have someone who's making a... Uh, a module of some sort and maybe they've typed it up in like word or some free software that they might have and they just need a, a little bit of something extra to make it pop so they can try to make money so that in the future maybe they can pay an artist to make a proper one mm -hmm. 
all they need is the art. The potential is there. It takes five seconds. You have an image. You really like it. Boom, there you go. The accessibility is the biggest point to me. Anybody, anybody, it's free. Most of them are free, Uh can make art, which is such a big point that I don't see a lot of people making is that also people uh, uh, people with disabilities uh-huh. that uh, or people who might not have sort of seen the the, the creative bit inside them uh-huh. uh, they generate art with this uh, for whatever reason and they sort of you know they, they realize that they're uh, they're creative now and they're like oh man I really like this I really want to paint this like sure that seems great the the potential also I guess you know if you're a traditional artist, You've likely either gone to school or you've spent a lot of time uh-huh. um, developing your skills as a traditional artist. Um, somebody who just, you know, they've been playing D&D for 10 years and they're like, hey, I really want to write a book uh, or write my own module. They've not spent the last 10 years on art. They've spent the last 10 years playing games. Uh, so they might not have <laughs> the skills to do the art stuff. So, like, right. if, if it just breaks down, like, one more barrier, uh-huh. I think it's, uh, it's a positive. Unlocking potential, yeah. right? giving people an opportunity to enter into creative spaces that otherwise might not enter into those creative yes. spaces. Yes. Right? And I do, I do think, you know, the argument in favor of artificial intelligence uh, in, in the space of art is that it really is a tool, mm-hmm. right? Just like any other, like just like when photography was first introduced, right? Yes. And people were afraid that that was going to replace you know, landscape painters and yeah. and portrait artists and, and things like that. And it didn't. Um, right. Those skills are still needed. Um, those those are those are still sought after. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, uh, and here's an interesting way to think about it. If anything, those forms of, of art have actually been elevated because of photography. Yes. Right. Because uh, you can take an image from your phone now and anywhere. If you have a portrait done right that's real uh, special that's really special and really expensive yeah, and yeah, really, yeah. right and and you know like that you know you would sit for an artist or, or they would take your picture and then they would paint you yeah, and stuff yeah, and yeah. to have that portrait wow right like that elevates that that level of human expression are there as many painted portraits being done today as there were a hundred years ago i don't know I probably, yeah, i'm not sure probably I, not, I, I, yeah i don't know i don't know <laughs> um but you know at the end of the day, there are still people making, port painting portraits. Yeah, making a living. And making a living uh, doing that. So it's a tool, mm. right? The other thing, too, and again, this is uh, in terms of potential, right? Um, the reason I tend to think of it in this, in this realm of being just another, you know, another tool is you can sort of notice, at least at this point, I can, I can sort of tell, like, Mid-Journey is the, is the program yeah, that like I'm, the big one. I'm most familiar with. Um, it has a particular kind of uh, default style. Yeah, it has a style, right? That you can you can sort of point it out and 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 uh, you can say like, oh, that was made with Midjourney. It's yeah. kind of uh, like pixely, like kind yeah. of put uh, like kind of put together. It prefers certain you know. faces. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if you put up a row of images, I'm sure I could be tricked, <laughs> right? Because you can get that deep into Midjourney and the and the way in which you sure. you put in your requests and stuff. Um, but just on the surface, if you're just playing around with it, it is mid-journey is pretty recognizable. Mm. Um, and so to me then, it is the part of the potential is a starting point. Yes. Not an end point, 
but like, hey, I want to get an idea for what this might look like. Let me just kind of type in some things. Ah, here's a rough sketch. It looks like it was created with Midjourney, so now I would want to take this to an artist. Exactly. Right. So it does like the what the rendering. Yeah, rendering right? or like you know if if you're having difficulties explaining via text uh, to an artist like what you want commissioned. Right. It's infinitely easier to go to a AI art generator and be like, okay, well I want elements from this, mm-hmm. and I want it to look similar to this. Do what you can. I like your style. Right. That kind of thing. It's right. it's a really good starting point. Um, I personally don't think that mid-journey should be the end point mm-hmm. uh, if you're going to like charge people money. Right. Um, but that's like a personal type of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I think, again, like the, the barrier, like if this is the last thing that you need for your RPG book to go out, like just do it. Mm-hmm. Make some money, you know, maybe commission an artist for something that you really wanted and and switch it up or not you know it doesn't doesn't really matter midjourney's just or ai art's just a tool just like photoshop is a tool and just like a paintbrush is a tool you can't do it you know sort of without it yeah yeah so the the idea of the sort of raising the raising the value of handmade hmm. right stuff like the portrait artist or or what have you uh it strikes me that this is uh you know similar to thinking about um something being factory made versus versus handmade like sure. a, like a like a craft or something like that and and sort of that handmade item being uh you know considered more desirable in a lot of cases than a factory made mm-hmm. product um same thing here maybe with artificial intelligence and Definitely. art right um it also reminds me a lot of music and some of the changes that have been happening in the world of music with the introduction of computers um you know right around the right around the turn of the century um we switched from recording music on tape, mm-hmm. right, to recording music on a computer, by and large. And that did have an effect, uh, you know, in the early 2000s, a lot of uh, small to mid studios closed. Yeah, because they couldn't afford it. Like, right. And they and and no one was and it was it, it became easier to get uh, to, to have your own home studio. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so you would have uh, your computer, you would download the software, and you could record from your house. Mm. Um, so in that sense, it democratized recording, which had an impact of, you know, uh, closing some smaller studios. Mm. It also created some new smaller studios, though, in people's homes, sure. right? And and gave more people access to recording music uh, than they ever had before. Now... What did that do? Well, there is more music, arguably, being recorded and released now than there ever has been. Um, in fact, maybe there's so much music being recorded and released now that there's it's a lot of noise. Like yeah, it's hard yeah. it's hard to find, um, you know, good stuff, mm. right? Um, is that are we going to saturate the world with Im- with crappy AI images, <laughs> right? And that's going to be hard to kind of sift through sift through it all. I don't know, yeah, but knows? it does give people more access. Just mm-hmm. like home recording, people had more have more access with computers and home recording than they did having to go to a studio and record on magnetic tape. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, now more people have access to art. Uh, it's a, it's a yes and no. So talking about music, mm-hmm. back in the early two thousands, there was also the sort of influx of auto tune. Right. And sort of one of the first people to to really make use of that, so much so that he was like sort of made fun of it, uh, was T-Pain. 
Mm. So T-Pain has talked about this a lot on his Twitch channel. Okay. Uh, he's a super open guy about it. About it. But a lot of, a lot of the uh, R&B um, uh, artists at the time were like shunning him for mm-hmm. using this new technology as a tool. And if you think about popular music now, it's all auto-tune. Right. And then they <laughs> sing live and you're like, oh my God, it's a totally different person. It's like, right. no, you're not listening to a computer. Right. So it, this is sort of one of those things where like, you know, times are changing. A new tool has been introduced. No one knows what's going to happen yet. Mm-hmm. And we've got to sort of wait it out. And mm-hmm. uh, I think, you know, there's there's likely going to be a, you know, as, as these tools develop, there's going to be an influx of people who use it and saturate the world with art or AI generated art. Mm-hmm. But eventually, unless it becomes this super great thing, it might boil down to just the people who will care about it. Right. And maybe everybody will have an AI generated art app on their phone. And maybe they might use it uh, once once in a while because it's fun and it's cool, just like your camera app or whatever. But it won't be such a big thing that everybody's using it, or it's you know. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to uh, final thoughts and our personal take. Um, but let's do that by by focusing with a question. Okay. All right. So is AI art art? Yes. Tell me more. Okay. Uh, so in the beginning of the segment. I had mentioned that everybody's replies and things like that were getting my blood boiling. Yeah. I am definitely the type of person to just like jump in, make a bunch of tweets that nobody's ever going to read and argue <laughs> back and forth with people, uh, which is probably not a good idea ever. But <laughs> I, I like that sort of yeah, I like getting into discussion. I like trying to be um, uh, uh positive with the discussions Mm -hmm. everybody sort of comes out of it knowing a little bit more even if they're still sort of in their own corners that kind of thing i like the discourse Mm -hmm. and a big thing is is ai art art a lot of people say no because a lot of people have the misconception that ai is taking bits and pieces Mm -hmm. of different art and just sort of gluing them together and making it look nice and smudging it around right which, by the way, is what a lot of artists already do. Right. <laughs> using Photoshop and other sort of, sure. sort of digital tools. That's a different topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just, I think, comes from a little bit of ignorance and a little bit of unwillingness to sort of change and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are also the same sort of people who would, who would say, like, you know, it took four seconds to type in a sentence and make some art. Anybody can do that. Mm-hmm. Why are you selling this for five dollars when I could have done that? Right. And the then the next question from me is, well, why didn't you? Right. If you can do it, then do it. Right. Like if this person's making money, then you can too. Like mm-hmm. it. It's the same as like I used to kind of be in this. Uh, I, I'm not a very, uh, or at least I wasn't a very big uh, abstract art type of person. Mm-hmm. If I if I looked at art. I wanted it to be art, traditional art. And, you know, a paint, a full canvas that's just painted sort of eggshell white and selling for a million dollars at the time didn't really sort of come across as art to me, which like, you know, that, that's that's a debate. Sure. Um, or like someone taping or nailing a banana to a wall. Like, mm-hmm. is that art? Well, yes. And mm-hmm. you, th- and then you'd have people say, "Well, I could do that." Okay. Well, then you're back to the "you should do it." Then, right? Um, it it is art because the AI knows what a hand is. 
it learned just like a human did mm -hmm. by looking at hands and saying that's a hand and learning how to draw that just like a human did except it's a computer and it did it 10,000 times faster than you did right and it's constantly being updated and it's constantly learning mm -hmm. so it's it is art whether you want it to be or not yeah um i think maybe maybe your personal definition of what art is might might differ but it's it's art yeah so <laughs> my response to the question is not an emphatic yes mm. it's a maybe right so is ai art art maybe that's my take <laughs> um and for me the definition of art has always required uh there to be an audience sure right so uh in order for anything to be considered art this is this is the definition I, I like. Mm. In order for anything to be considered art, it needs to have viewers and people who are talking about it and and you know voicing their thoughts about it and how it's affecting them and talking about it. You need an audience. Mm. If you don't have an audience, you don't have art. Just like if you don't have an audience, you don't really have a podcast, right? <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Um, so th screaming in the nether. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but, um, I think you need an audience. So there's a lot of images being made right now. Most of them are not art. I think that's fair. Because no one is appreciating them. They don't have an audience. Hmm. But as soon as it becomes a cover image of something and somebody pays $2 for it and other people say, why are you doing that? That is an affront to everything. That, that literally is what art is. It, yeah. it causes visceral reactions, right? Like... That is some of the greatest art in, in art history, right? Made people upset. Yeah, think right? about Warhol <laughs> right. and his Campbell soups. Like. Yeah. Um, and, and it upended people's definitions of what, what art was. But yeah. at the end of the day, the common denominator has always been an audience. It doesn't mean the audience likes it. Hmm. It just means there's been an audience, right? Whether you like it or not, that's, <laughs> that's whatever. That's not what we're talking about. So uh, is AI art art? Maybe most of, <laughs> most of it, I think, isn't sure. But that's just because it doesn't have an audience. Mm. But as soon as it has an audience, as soon as it's getting attention, as soon as it's on the cover, uh, you know, of a of a of a work, it's art. I think uh, AI also has like extreme potential for world building when yeah. it comes to tabletop stuff. I'll take a look through either things that I'm creating or things that the community is creating. And be like, okay, well, that thing there looks like a really cool magic item. Right. So I'm going to, you know, see what I can create out off of that. Or this looks like a really cool landscape. Maybe I want my players to go there. Right. And it's a really quick and really cool way to create a visual for something that I've created, in, like, either in my head or, like, with words or something like that, that I can either have, like, as the home page of my World Anvil mm -hmm. site for that or something that I can quick show my players like the other day or uh maybe like a month ago now <laughs> last time we played the D, &D um i had a sort of nonsensical um cthulhu-esque horror uh notebook or a spell book mm -hmm. and ahead of time i had pre-generated some ai images of a spell book that kind of looked nonsensical on the inside and i showed it to all the players and it sort of at least for me, added a little bit more reality to the the lore 
and uh, sort of world building that we're doing together. Yeah. Oh, it's a great um, if you're a, if you're a home brewer, mm. it does seem like a great way to get a visual aid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and to be able to sort of customize it and have a little bit of control. Um, so that you can tailor it to your your specific want or need. Um, so I see that as one of its greatest potentials, yes. right, uh, for the tabletop role-playing game industry, for homebrew DMs and GMs to be able to have images for what they're doing with their players. Mm-hmm. Um, that's awesome. I also think, too, personally, this is my, my personal take, um, it does excite me a little bit uh, to want to uh, want to enter into the tabletop game-making space in a way that words alone might not. And, mm. um, and so I don't know if that, if that means that I would want to create something. Uh, I don't know. It gives me pause, though, too, because I don't like doing things in isolation. Sure. That's why there's a, right. That's why there's two of us. <laughs> there's two of us, and why why I like being in the same room. Yes, you yes. know what I mean. Um, it's it's uh, it's a collaboration with another human being. Um, I think that that is one of the potential things that you could lose if you're doing everything yourself, mm-hmm. including generating the art using artificial intelligence and you know all that. It, that becomes pretty isolating and pretty lonely. Yeah, in yeah. a way that collaborating with an artist can be invigorating sure. and give you ideas that you wouldn't have by yourself. Very true. Um, so that that's one of the places that gives me pause. I really like collaborating with other human beings. That would compel me to use an artist more than almost any other argument. Mm-hmm. If one more person sees and generates some art because it's either on their Instagram filter or TikTok filter or mm-hmm. something they see on Facebook or whatever and they decide that they see something really unique and really cool that sparks something inside them that either you know they see this and they, they oh man I could really create some really cool magic items or I really want to learn how to paint this with oil paints mm-hmm. or this would be really cool. This looks like an old school photograph. Maybe I'll go pick up an old Polaroid. Mm-hmm. If AI can bring another person that has been sort of down on themselves, I can't do that because I'm not creative. I can't do this because of this or this or that. I think it's a net positive. And I think that breaking down any barriers because of handicaps or uh, inabilities to have time to mm-hmm. learn these skills, um, I think, is a is a win. So let us know what you think. Uh, how do you see AI art and its effect on tabletop role playing games? Are you excited by it? Are you planning to use it in your homebrew campaign or use it to create your own games? Uh, or are you uh, never going to touch the stuff? <laughs> Have you made it this far in the video? Yeah. <laughs> Let us know. Uh, drop a comment or uh, send us a note. Every edition RPG at gmail.com. You can also find links to all of our socials at everyeditionrpg.com. Uh, we've got links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much, much more. Uh, lots of different ways you can support the show. Uh, we've got uh, merch for mm. sale, including coffee mugs and T-shirts. Uh, we've also got our Ko-Fi if you want to uh, send us a tip. Uh, and our Patreon. Uh, So thanks for supporting every edition, uh, whether it's 
with a couple bucks or with a comment and a like. It's time to loot the body. On today's Loot the Body, we are taking a look at something that we have been sorely in need of, the Illuminati's uh, Spelljammer releases. Yeah. Their various releases, including the Voidfarer's uh, uh, sort of line. Right. And uh, one of their adventures, the uh, Blackjack's Revenge. Blackjack's Revenge. So we had talked about Spelljammer a couple of episodes ago. Right. And one of the things that I thought was just mind-blowing was when you told me that the if you add up the page numbers of all three books, it doesn't really even equal one book. Right. And then you look at Ghosts of Saltmarsh, and that's a full book, almost double in length, right. that has so much more in it. Uh, and they had the audacity to make three books and a slipcover out of it, which was like, yep. it's a good premise. I'm happy that they brought Spelljammer to 5th edition. Right. But it just wasn't quite enough, and until now, I've not really had the drive to play Spelljammer. Like, when it right. was coming out or when it was announced, I was really excited. Like, okay, we're going to take my homebrew adventure, and we're going to take a Spelljammer, and we're going to go somewhere really fun. But then the books came out, and I you know, I haven't really Lackluster. looked at them since yeah. our episode about yeah. it. So this has, been, uh, this has been interesting. This has been good. Yeah, I mean, the, the Spelljammer setting is so great. And we have dumped on it so much, yeah. right? At least, at least the fifth edition release, yeah. and deservedly so. Mm-hmm. That uh, Illuminati mm-hmm. was nice enough to reach out and send us um, a bunch of their Spelljammer support products, and uh, I I was impressed. Yes, um, because it's filling a void uh, for a setting that I love. And making it possible, I think, for you to be able to enjoy Spelljammer, and um, you know, make up for all the all the wizards' problems. Yeah, yeah, the they saw uh, <laughs> they saw a need, and they filled the and they need. filled the need. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, so, thank you, Illuminati, for for sharing all these PDFs. It's also worth noting this is the first time that we are spotlighting in our loot the body segment a digital release. Yes, um, and so Illuminati's products are uh, are PDF only, available on Drive Through RPG and and GM Skilled. Um, and the line of Voidfarer's uh, guides is pretty extensive. The latest one, which we've been featuring here, if you're if you're watching on the video, is the Voidfarer's Guide to Fashion Week, mm. which is a little tongue-in-cheek, uh, <laughs> you know, title. Uh, but what it does is it has a lot of different space suits, and those space suits are featured as magic items. Mm. And so, for a couple bucks, uh, you get a bunch of different space suits. And it's cool to uh, you know think about that as a magic item. Again, the Spelljammer three book <laughs> three book set was sorely lacking in magic items. It had well, like six. Yeah. <laughs> so here you go. Uh, you can you can fill in that crack. Um, there's also a fantastic uh, supplement called Spelljammer Lost Ships Rediscovered. Mm. And so if you are hungry for more variants of ships and even better fleshed out in terms of stats. Uh, kinds of ships for Spelljammer. Uh, I would highly recommend checking out that release as well. Hmm. And then I we mentioned at the top of this segment, uh, Black Jammer's uh, Revenge. Hmm. And so um, if uh, if Light of Xerixis is not the type of adventure that you're looking for, um, Black Jammer's Revenge might be. It's obviously, as the title suggests, a little bit more of a, a pirate theme. Yeah, I mean, you're uh, using ships, right? So. 
to to, to Spelljammer, sense. which I think the the whole pirate aspect is, I think, a, a, an exciting and cool aspect to it, Spelljammer. It sort of felt like in the books, the 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 Watsi books, that the aspect of space combat mm-hmm. or astral plane combat or wherever you are with your Spelljammer uh, or inner inner ship combat wasn't really a thing it was just sort of like here's how you get from one world to another one plane to another and they just sort of forgot about the travel in between there right so having that sort of Mm pirate-esque you know you try to make seafaring adventures yep you're just taking that into space exactly So you want to have some 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 play there yeah and there's a lot of other uh pdf releases they have a couple different bundles available on um on dm's guild uh, so you can you can save a couple bucks if you buy in bulk. Mm. <laughs> so check out uh, Illuminati's uh, uh, different Spelljammer releases uh, in PDF. Uh, if you're going to be doing Spelljammer, you're going to be doing some homework. Yes, and I think that this line of um, this line of PDFs will help you mm. uh, with that. So if you're already Spelljamming or you're planning to Spelljam, check out Illuminati's uh, stuff on. Uh, DM's Guild. Well, John, I am definitely looking forward to reading the comments of this episode. <laughs> I no, I, I legitimately, yeah, yeah. I, I think that there's um, a lot of good conversation that needs to happen around AI art, mm-hmm. specifically in our little corner of the world in the RPG world. Right. This um, steampunk release really stirred the pot. Uh, but now we see, need to sort of stand back and look at it like adults and mm-hmm. figure out where we're going to go from here. So, like, if, if you if you do have an opinion, no matter how strong, um, keep it respectful. Mm-hmm. But I would really, really love to hear your thoughts. And maybe we can talk about it even again on a further episode. Um, bring it back and, and see where we're at in a little bit. And thank you to Illumin Hottie again for the Spelljammer PDFs. These are fantastic. Again, something I've been looking forward to running for our group and definitely going to use in our game and of course thank you to our sponsor dragon's horn studios uh they have been putting out some pretty high quality pdfs and stuff for your virtual tabletop i know their newest release i am likely going to use on roll 20 yeah i've been i've been liking roll 20 a little bit more lately for for things as we've sort of experimented with various games like alien and and cyberpunk and things like that so i definitely want to check it out there Yep. Yeah, Dragon's Horn uh, has the support for Roll20. It's got support for Foundry Virtual Mm. Tabletop and for Shard uh, Tabletop. Their latest Kickstarter right now, Ruhalt's uh, Grimoire of Dungeon Adventures. Mm. Check it out. Let's get that that funded. And like Jesse said, thanks again, uh, Dragon's Horn Studios, for sponsoring another episode of Every Edition. We love working with you. And uh, let's keep the let's keep the relationship going. And of course, thank you, mm. noble listeners, uh, for being with us on this uh, on this journey. And uh, we'll be back for more. This has been Every Edition, the tabletop RPG talk show. Contact us by emailing everyeditionrpg at gmail.com, and we may feature you in a future episode. Special thanks to the Elkars for providing all the music you hear on the show. Check out the Elkars album Bad Ends to hear all the songs featured in their entirety. Thanks for listening, and remember, it's not the edition you play, it's how you roll the dice. 